<laughs> All right. So let's get this started. Today on the Women Mind and Water podcast, I'm speaking with Lexi Dudera. Lexi is the founder and executive director of Saltwater Classroom, a nonprofit with a focus of educating youngsters about the importance of our oceans and the need for sustainable practices to ensure the future of our oceans. The Women Mind the Water podcast engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through these stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. Our guest today is Lexi Dudera. Lexi holds degrees in marine biology and environmental studies from Northeastern University. Lexi started a 501c3 nonprofit as a way to educate young people about issues that affect the world's oceans. Saltwater Classroom teaches youngsters in grades four through six about ocean stewardship. Saltwater Classrooms offers week-long workshops that connect students to the marine environment. Hands-on lessons are strengthened with a web-based platform that connects kids from across the globe and encourages them to share their passion for the ocean. For listeners who might be wondering if Lexi's work fits within the definition of artivist, my answer is a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. Fueled by her passion for the ocean, Lexi has designed a creative vision for inspiring young people to take action. Not to mention that there is a good deal of artistry in creating educational curriculum that will engage young learners. Welcome, Lexi. Thank you for being my guest on the Women Mind the Water podcast. I'm excited to learn more about Saltwater Classroom. Thank you, and thank you for having me, and thank you for the great introduction. You're very welcome. <laughs> I'd like to begin by asking how you came to found Saltwater Classroom, as opposed to the many other paths you might have followed given your background in environmental studies and marine biology. Once I had the idea for Saltwater Classroom, it was almost um, like... I had no choice but to follow the path that I was on. Um, and the idea first came to me, I was during my undergraduate uh, years, I went to Northeastern in Boston. I was actually studying um, marine biology and environmental studies, as you mentioned, but I was in Viña del Mar, a uh, coastal city in Chile. And I saw an opportunity to have young students learn about the oceans, but also connect with one another. Um, at the time, my interests were in urban coastal sustainability, and I was learning about environmental education as a pathway for communities, cities, countries to grow sustainably. And I was also volunteering in a fifth grade classroom, and I kind of just, you know, this idea came to me. There was a lot of similarities between the coastline here in Maine, where I grew up, and the coastline in, in Chile, and I just, I had this idea and kind of ran with it. Um, I went back to Northeastern in Boston and developed the curriculum and the rationale and the business plan and everything as my senior uh, thesis, my senior capstone project so, at Northeastern. That sounds and amazing. Six months it's nice that it all came together. We did our uh, first program. I wanted to study the ocean, and I ended up working group that saltwater at the beginning, studying so beavers we, we in the Sierra with Nevada, like three so you through can see six, how much that paid uh, off. Nine to twelve years old. Um, <laughs> so, and the reason that we work with with these students yeah, is so, um, there's actually a lot of different reasons. They, um, you know, are 
they're old enough to understand complex topics like cause and effect and action and impact. Um, they're able to understand their global role in society and in the larger picture a little bit more so. Um, so that's a big piece of it. You know, they're, they're old enough to kind of grasp some complex ideas, um, which is certainly necessary when you're talking about the ocean. But they're still very curious and asking all kinds of questions and kind of unencumbered by social or cultural things. Um, they're still, you know, in very formative years. Um, so there's been lots of studies that have shown that this is kind of the most effective age range to work with in terms of environmental education. And for those, for those reasons, really, um, they're also really competent, talkative agents of change. They have amazing peer influence on, you know, other people their age, but also their parents, their families, their communities. If you, you know, excite kids about something, you almost, you know, can't hold them back at a certain point. So that's, that's another thing that is really important. And it's a really fun age range to work with. The kids are always, you know, so, so curious and so eager to learn and really excited about learning still. So have you done it alone or did you have a team? to help you develop your vision? And what were the particular skills or assets that you were felt felt were most important to putting together a team? Certainly haven't, haven't done it alone, been very uh, lucky and, and fortunate to have a great network of, of people behind us throughout the whole process. Um, at the beginning, it was, you know, my, my family and friends that stepped up to help run our first program, um, you know, in, in 2018 in, in Camden, Maine, my hometown. Um, and, and since then, yeah, they've continued to be incredibly supportive. We've grown our board of directors and engaged other community members and things like that, businesses and, and local support that way. But I'd say overall, in terms of our, our core team, the real um, assets and, you know, attributes that we look for are, are a commitment to the vision of saltwater classroom, you know, a, a belief in the power of education to bring about sustainable change for our oceans and our environment. And, um, you know, I, I'd say flexibility and ability to adapt. And as we are a young nonprofit, there's a lot of that. So I think that's another inherent attribute. So how do you go about developing a curriculum and what are the most important elements that you focus on in the saltwater classrooms curriculum? So yeah. I certainly don't have a background um, in a formal background in education. Um, I <laughs> did our first curriculum that still to this day serves as the backbone of our um, saltwater classroom core curriculum. But I really just based it off of my college education in marine biology. I, you know, looked at the themes and things that we were learning that I learned over the course of my four years um, studying marine biology and, and based lessons and activities and topics and things off of that. Um, our curriculum, you know, starts with a really broad introduction to our planet's oceans, instilling in students kind of a global perspective that's necessary when talking about the oceans, um, and then zeroes in on some, some narrower topics. We learn about the coast and coastal environments, marine life, the seawater itself, um, and then we always conclude talking about today's ocean. So the ways that we're connected to the ocean, but also the issues facing the oceans today. 
Um, do you do you cover big themes like uh, ocean um, acidification, or is that too large or too complex? No, we we certainly do. It's it's a there's a piece of it in our core curriculum, and then we actually we're developing um, deep dive workshops as well that are more uh, focused on even narrower topics. So the first one that we did, we we did a virtual program of it in February, and that was focused entirely on coral reefs. So when addressing coral reefs, ocean acidification is a big issue. So we covered it more in depthly there. But yeah, we would definitely cover that in our core curriculum as well. And then to your point before, to your question before, um, you know, the, the core tenets of our curriculum, and there certainly are some, I'd say the first thing that it's, it's hands-on and experience-based as much as we can. We're getting students into the environment, whether they're coastal and they can go actually to the intertidal zone or <coughs> in their backyard or in their local park, having students experience the education in an outdoor setting and in a um, you know, natural environment. So hands-on, um, you know, having students do some of the science or, um, you know, learn as much as they can with their hands and experience-based, making it a whole immersive experience that they, that sticks with them and that they remember um, and that sort of thing. The second thing is it's interdisciplinary, rooted in science and conservation, but incorporating art and music and language because one of my core beliefs is that, you know, as, as humans, we connect to the ocean in all number of ways and our, our education about the ocean should reflect this. So that's part of the reason why we, um, we do include art in our curriculum or music or any number of things, but just kind of trying to inspire students who, you know, might not be inclined to math or science or what have you to care about the oceans and, and learn about the oceans. And then the last piece the last piece is that our education and our approach is global. We, um, you know, inspire students to not only think globally about our oceans, but connect with students that are learning, um, you know, in Mexico or Maine or wherever, um, connect and kind of bridge cultural differences and geographic distance to come together and unite over the ocean. So are you saying during one of the sessions that you actually uh, have the, the kids go to computers and uh, work with students that you've worked with before. How do you connect students today from Camden, Maine to Chile? Yeah. So we haven't done a workshop in Chile yet. I have big plans to return to the, the school that I first had this idea for um, and do some programming there. Um, but the way that the connection happens is through a technology-linked um, education, a web-based portal where students um, can access material, but connect with one another as well. And this component is, you know, only poised to grow. And as we, you know, pursue more funding sources to de further develop this component, um, <coughs> we have a pretty, pretty developed um, <clears throat> prototype for an app um, where the students would, you know, access news stories or log on and, you know, earn progress towards badges about doing beach cleanups or whatever, um, but also connecting with different students. That's very exciting. Yeah. So as, I, <clears throat> as I stated in the intro, there is an artistry in developing a nonprofit and nurturing it to support a vision. Can you describe for me how you went from that vision to a working creation? 
Yes. Um, I think we're still, you know, a work in progress and I think always will be. There's certainly a lot of merit in the growth mindset and, um, you know, never, never reaching perfection or never, never stopping, always reaching higher. Um, yeah, but I think the biggest thing, still I mean, a, a startup phase that we have had um, from individuals and, and, and you know, people yeah, close to me, um, what was the, the, the community, the, the community. So and, how do you go from a vision to me. a working creation um, for a The support is, is one thing that certainly has helped us on this journey. But then the second piece I'd say that continuously refuels us is the response that we get from our programs you know, this, the students really love the work that we're doing and they get a lot out of it and learn a lot and have a lot of fun while doing it. So I think that is always, you know, Wait. another piece that really keeps us going. You did say you went back to school and got some education in business. Uh, and obviously you can have a great vision, but if you don't have some way to, to sell your idea, you know, you have to have students or classrooms or after school activities that want to participate. So mm-hmm. could you tell me mm-hmm. a story exactly. about an activity that exemplifies that? what Saltwater Classroom is how trying to accomplish? How do we reach those schools? Yeah. Or certainly, how do you, I think a how couple did you examples start by getting um, schools or kids the first that thing were is wanted one of the to be involved. first lessons that we do in our it's, curriculum. I think just kind of um, an incremental process of that. Um, you know, globe. reaching out and to people estimate and the setting things up or having people reach out to us that whether they heard about saltwater classroom through a friend or through social media or you know, their, their estimates. Um, a lot of the workshops that we've done have been go on to explore how the percentage of our um, planet, you know, as, as we continue to grow, it'll be the planet's surface is ocean uh, and more and more only so 29 is the outreach to schools um, and to and we talk about kind of the implications of this and why it's called um, summer fact, doing a really thorough so, um, educator the conversation survey, among the students usually teachers administrators you know, us seeing that humans sort of and living on the land better and glean, we're the ones we that do the naming so we call it planet mm-hmm. earth and then the implications of that that you know the earth is the primary focus maybe the ocean has been neglected whatever um the conversations that that come out of this are always, I think, getting at what we hope to inspire students to do, which is just think, you know, a little differently about the oceans um, than they might have. But that's the kind of thinking that we inspire. And then we always, you know, one of our final activities is always a community or, or coastal cleanup Um so we have students, you know, in around their school or in their neighborhood or down by the shore um, do a cleanup and, and find the litter and trash in their area. Um, and then we analyze it and look at it and, and brainstorm creative solutions to issues that they found, whether it's cigarette butts or straws or fishing line. Um, you know, they, they think creatively about solutions and present them and that's another I think activity that really speaks to you know the focus and mission so have you worked with kids that aren't based on the coast we have not done an in-person workshop um too far inland you know there's been schools that are 45 minutes or so from the coast um 
but I'm trying to think some of our participants for our virtual workshop that we've done over the past year, a couple of our virtual workshops were more and more inland focused. Um, initially, our program was really focused on coastal uh, environments, but I have, you know, we have since adapted a lot of our lessons and activities to be done in places that are not coastal because um, you know, the ocean influences us all, regardless of where we live. And, you know, so that that's definitely a piece of it. And we're going to continue to focus on our inland ocean connection as well. Okay, so I know from my personal experience, that kids can be great teachers. Mm. What have you learned from the kids you've worked with? We're constantly learning from them. It's amazing. They really are I mean, it's just endless um, and something I'm so, so grateful for to be able to learn from them. Um, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, learning what they're curious about and what, what they ask questions about and what, um, you know, sparks the curiosity in them. So is there anything else you might say to listeners um, who are considering will, charting their the own path as just a means amazing. to encourage like actually, what, What's to one of the, the questions you've had that features. like you were just so amazed by? I think, I mean, the 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 piece that I always say. It's hard like, to think of a specific ask, example, you know, what, what but we do, we do, a, we do a lesson. What, um, what my advice where is, we is about the always to, to the keep ocean, learning and keep over 4.6 um, billion years ago. You know, seeking out new that information millions and, and of years, learning um, new things about the ocean and, and, and just keep of how it all came to be. You know, forming um, this relationship. And that some of the questions that they ask about that lesson, like, and just amazing you know by i can't think of a specific well. example um, but they're always but my biggest just my biggest thing surprising me and encouraging me to learn more about the stuff that i teach and um just kind of embrace really, that it's something that i value i think lot. that the oceans nice. are are full of endless knowledge and uh insight and if we just kind of tune into it a little bit more i think there's lots lots that we can learn um so that's that's kind of our position with saltwater classroom. We we believe that there's a, a new wave of ocean education, and we're working to build this new wave of ocean education. Um, and we certainly would welcome anyone to be a part of it. It's been well, very interesting talking with you today the, uh, and learning about saltwater classroom. Thank you. Podcast. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking uh, with you as well. Have a link. Happy to hear some of our experiences. It's, it's so been a wild ride, more. but it's. It's very and it's, it's um, wonderful work, I, and I'm very lucky and grateful to be doing what I do. Very good. I'd like to remind our listeners that I've been speaking with Lexi Dudrer for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and on Spotify. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the song Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson. Thank you for listening.